to the Rockaways. It's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Gacaneo! Yeah, there they are! Hey! Thank you, and thank you, Jason Kelly. Oh, what a group. Thank you so much. Wow. Oh, boy. Look at that group right there. There they are. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're too kind. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the Queens, New Yorker. It is episode 237 on this Thursday night, October 5th, 2023. Uh, Where were we for a month? (laughs) Lots of things have come up, and I'll explain that in just a little bit here. But right now, over 6,561 of you have been listening to us, so I want to thank you very much for that. Give yourself another round of applause. You deserve every bit of it. There you go. There you go. That, that's all for you, basically. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So you saw us, basically, at the beginning of the uh, last month, uh, when we opened up season nine here, and you're was wondering to yourself, where were the other three weeks? <laughs> well, I must say that a lot of things have come up in the three weeks. Nothing serious. Uh, when you're working for both the David 3000 Network and your own YouTube channels, you pretty much get behind a lot. And so I've had to try to find a way to balance out all of what I've done. And I think I've got it right perfectly. So what we're going to do is we're going to start recording the episodes, putting them up on Spotify for you. As you know, they'll go there as uh, the permanent home for the Queens New Yorker, as well as the Legacy of Queens. And then, uh, you know, the YouTube channel of the Legacy of New York will get its, you know, the archives caught up and everything. We're still working on that. As you know, season three is up there right now, so you can enjoy all of the Legacy of New York and continue to support the YouTube channels. Retro Toys and Games will uh, be back on its regular schedule tomorrow, hopefully. (laughs) I'm going to re-record the Atari 5200. Uh, Something happened in the the uh, transition uh, where I could not get uh, uh, something happen and it got cut off with some sound. So we're going to go ahead. I'm going to re-record that. Legends of Smooth Jazz will still be Saturday nights. That has not changed. It's doing fantastic. 
uh, do subscribe to these channels. You know, we do need your support in every which way. It helps us all get through and get faster to our goals, okay? Tonight, we're going to be looking at, on the 237th episode of The Queen's New Yorker, can you believe it? 237 episodes already? I'm just perplexed as it is. Uh, this is an FM radio station. We're going to finish up our series on radio stations because I think it's very important to, to cover everything that was left over from that. And tonight we're going to look at an FM station, uh, which is considered a hot 97. Yeah, WQHD 97.1 FM on the dial. That's where we're going tonight. It's a commercial radio station licensed to New York City, which broadcasts an urban contemporary music format. The station is owned by uh, Media Co. Holding and is a subsidiary of the Standard General Hedge Fund operated by MS Communications under a shared services agreement. So WQHT studios are located in the Hudson Square neighborhood of Lower Manhattan, and its transmitter is located at the Empire State Building. WQHT began as an experimental station. W2XWG, licensed to the National Broadcasting Company of NBC, and located at the Empire State Building in New York City. W2XWG started operations in April of 1939, initially as an apex station used for determining the coverage area of transmitting frequencies higher than those used by the standard AM broadcast band. Now, these tests also compared amplitude modulation, or AM transmissions, with the then-new technology of wideband frequency modulation, which is FM. On January 11th of 1940, W2XWG began regular FM broadcasts, and that July it was reported that the station was broadcasting on 42.6 megahertz from 3 to 11 p.m. on Mondays through Fridays. Then in May of 1940, the Federal Communications Commission announced the establishment, effective January 1st of 1941, of an FM band operating on 40 channels spanning 42 to 50 megahertz. The first 15 commercial FM station construction permits were issued on October 31st of 1940, including one to NBC for 45.1 megahertz in New York City, which was issued the call sign W51NY. However, NBC reported that equipment shortages resulting from the outbreak of World War II meant it was unable to get delivery of W51NY's high-powered transmitter, and on June 10th of 1942, the construction permit for commercial operation was canceled and the W51NY call sign deleted. Meanwhile, the station continued broadcast under its W2XWG experimental authorization using its original low-powered transmitter now on 45.1 megahertz. Effective November 1st, 1943, the FCC modified its policy for FM station call letters. Thus, when the construction permit for commercial operation was reactivated, it was assigned the call letters WEAFFM, and the station's last broadcast as W2XWG took place on September 23, 1944, with its debut as WEAFFM coming the next day, now with seven-day-a-week programming from 3 to 11. And that was an expansion over W2XWG's schedule of only operating Saturday through Wednesday. 
The FCC later reassigned the original FM band frequencies to other services and ordered existing stations to move a new band from 88 to 106 megahertz, which was later expanded to 88 to 108. During a transition period from the original FM low band to the new high band, some stations for a time broadcast simultaneously on both their old and new frequencies. However, WEAF-FM did not, and in October of 1945, it was announced that the station was shutting down the broadcast on 45.1 megahertz and was temporarily going silent while it made the technical adjustments needed to operate on its new assignment at 97.3 megahertz. Then in late 1946, the station's call letters were changed to WNBC-FM. Programming was usually simulcast of WNBC-AM's programming. A a reallocation in the fall of 1947 moved the station to its current frequency assignment of 97.1 MHz. And then in the 50s, when NBC-FM played classical music, later switching to pop. It ran network programming from some time, such as the NBC Monitor Weekend series. Then on October 18th of 1954, the call letters were changed to WRCA-FM, reflecting NBC's then-parent company, the Radio Corporation of America, but returned to WNBC-FM on May 22nd, 1960. By the 70s, the station was playing a pop-rock format, beginning on June 4th, 1973, It experimented with fully automated programming with local inserts known as the Rock Pile, a forerunner of today's DJ-free adult hits format with a wide diversity of pop, rock, and R&B that proved to be 30 years ahead of its time. However, technical glitches were frequent and listenership dropped. For a brief period starting in late 1974, the station attempted a fully automated, beautiful music format for a younger demographic called The Love of New York. In 1975, NBC Radio launched the NBC News and Information Service, or the NIS, which was a network service providing up to 50 minutes an hour of news programming to local stations that wanted to adopt an all-news format without the high cost of producing large quantities of local news content. WNBC-FM's small audience was deemed expendable to allow NIS to have a New York outlet, and on June 18th of 1975, the station became WNWS-FM, branding itself News Center 97, an allusion to sister station WNBC-TV's News Center 4 local newscast. Ratings were low at the network's peak, and only 57 stations across the country carried NIS, and most of them already NBC Radio News affiliates, and the service did not attract enough stations to allow NBC to project that it could ever become profitable. Then on December 31st, 1976, the station discontinued carrying NIS, which NBC would end by June of 1977. The final story on News Center 97 was reported by Wayne Howell Chappelle, known professionally as Wayne Howell. The station then went to a commercial break, and after airing the hour legal ID at midnight, switched to an adult contemporary music format with a rock lean Under the moniker Y97, the first song played under the new format was Tonight's the Night by Rod Stewart. (laughs) Shortly after adopting the new music format, the station call letters were changed to WYNY, and the station was now primarily competing against WKTU, 
Ratings were fair at best, and by the end of 78, after toying briefly with an all-Beatles format, WYNY evolved to a MOR format featuring Frank Sinatra, The Carpenters, Elvis Presley, Barry Manilow, Tony Bennett, Neil Diamond, Elton John, Carly Simon, and Billy Joel, among others. There was an easy listening station without all the elevator music heard on WRFM or WPAT AMFM, and ratings went up gradually. By 1980, YNY moved away from Frank Sinatra and the Letterman, though they continued running Saturday with Sinatra, hosted by Sid Mark. Musically, they added Motown songs, The Beatles, The Beach Boys, Fleetwood Mac, The Eagles, The Doobie Brothers, Donna Summer, and soft hits by Hard Rockers. By 1981, the station format was that of pop hits from 1964 to what was then current music with an occasional pre-64 rock and roll song. Ratings went up from 1981 through 83. By 1982, YNY trimmed the 60s music slightly, and some of the air personalities included Dan Daniel, Bill St. James, Bruce Bradley, Randy Davis, Carol Mason, Mike McCann, Floyd Wright, Steve O'Brien, Bill Rock, Margaret Jones, Paulie, and Ed Bear. Then on Sunday evenings, the station aired a pioneering advice show, Sexually Speaking, which made host Dr. Ruth Westheimer, also known as Dr. Ruth, a national celebrity. <laughs> the station was also a pioneer of contemporary Christian music in the city, airing the weekly show Masterpiece, hosted by Stephen Joseph. Sid Mark continuing, continued hosting Saturday with Sinatra. On weekend evenings, call-in talk shows such as Mouth vs. Ear with Dick Summer was an alternative to other stations' mundane public service shows. Then in 1983, WHTZ and WPLJ both adopted a contemporary hit radio format, or the CHR format, attracting younger listeners. YNY continued with its AC format, and then in January of 84, WLTW signed on, taking away older listeners. YNY's ratings plummeted, and in 86, the station was revamped with the music staying Hot AC, but marketed as a Z100 for yuppies. The station had new jingles and imaging and became known as the new 97.1 WYNY. The format, however, was that of the same pop hits from 64 to the then-present. The station continued to rate low. Station owner NBC had problems with sister station WNBC as well. Then in April of 1987, country music station WHN announced plans to go sports full-time on July 1st, becoming an all-sports WFAN. In response, YNY announced it would change to country music on the same day. While this format change was announced to the press in advance, but not over the air except on Saturday with Sinatra, at 12.01 a.m. on July 1st, YNY ended its AC format with Hello Goodbye by The Beatles and went country playing Think About Love by Dolly Parton. The air staff all remained, though some gradually left later in the year. Dan Daniel, who had left WYNY in the mid-80s and returned, Randy Davis, Carol Mason, Lisa Taylor, Floyd Wright, and others survived the format change and remained with YNY's country unit even after it left 97.1 FM and moved to 103.5 FM, where it remained until its 1996 demise. Now go back to 1988. NBC began to sell its roster of radio stations, and Emma's Communications made arrangements to buy its two New York City stations, YNY and WNBC AM. However, 
at this time, FCC regulations limited owners to just 1 a.m. and 1 FM and 1 FM station per market. And Emmis already owned stations WQHT, then at 103.5 FM, and WFAN, 1050 AM. And because the NBC stations had better coverage, Emmis decided to move the call letters and formats from its current stations to its new ones, then divest the two original stations. Emmis sold the 103.5 FM license for the original WQHT to Westwood One, as well as the intellectual property for YNY, which resulted in the YNY call letters and country format transferring from 97.1 to 103.5 FM. Conversely, Emmis transferred the QHT call sign and rhythmic contemporary format from 103.5 to the former YNY at 97.1 FM, becoming Hot 97 at 5.30 p.m. on September 22, 1988. The last song played on Hot 103 was Debbie Gibson's Staying Together. The first song played on Hot 97 was M-A-R-R-S, which is Mars, Pump Up the Volume. After the transition to Hot 97, Stephanie Miller and Howard Hoffman were brought in to do the morning show. J. Paul Emerson stayed on as a newsman with Daniel Ivankovich, uh, Ivan- Reverend Dr. D, and brought in as his producer. WQHT started to lean towards top 40 by 1989 due to decreasing ratings. By the 90s, the station started playing more house, freestyle, and rhythm and blues music and launched the Saturday Night House Party Show. WQHT broadcast live from area nightclubs such as The Tunnel, Roseland, and Metro House from 2 a.m. to 4 until 4 a.m. Saturday into Sunday morning. In 1991, Anything Goes with Civilly, uh, Clive, Clivevilles, and Cole debuted, where record producers Robert Clivevilles and David Cole of CNC Music Factory mixed new house and dance music on Saturday nights. Toward the end of 1992 and early 93, Hot 97 dropped to dead last among New York's top three pop stations. In response, Emmis named Judy Ellis its general manager, a position in which she served until 2003. And WQHT started to add more R&B and hip-hop music. The station started a gradual two-year change towards an urban-oriented, rhythmic Top 40 format. A new generation of hot jocks began appearing on Hot 97. Dan Charnas recounted the perception of this move. The trades ran stories on the new trend, typified by the Emmis stations, Hot 97 and Power 106. Hiring street kids or entertainers with little or no radio experience at the expense of longtime professionals who had paid their dues. Well, among the most famous was the addition of a new morning show hosted by Ed Lover and Dr. Dre of Yo! MTV Raps. With rising ratings and a focus on East Coast artists like the Wu-Tang Clan, Charnas credited Hot 97 as leading a comeback for East Coast hip-hop. 1993, Funkmaster Flex joined the station and was host of the Friday Night Street Jam and a weekly two-hour show where he mixed hip-hop live from the studio. Other noteworthy personalities included the addition of Wendy Williams to Afternoon Drive. Williams used to be the overnight jock back on Hot 103 in 1988. Angie Martinez, a researcher on WABC-TV's New York Hot Tracks in the late 1980s, and who previously worked in the promotions department, was promoted to Knights. A few years later, the two had a public falling out, resulting in Williams being fired from WQHT, 
and Martinez assuming Afternoon Drive, where she remained until she was hired by WWPR-FM on June 19th of 2014. Then in 1995, WQHT again became New York's top station in the Arbitron ratings. And while the station reported as a rhythmic CHR, the station was musically more of an urban contemporary format leaning toward hip-hop, though in some trades they reported as a rhythmic CHR. Then in the fall of 2008, WQHT served as the home of the nationally syndicated Big Boys Neighborhood produced by ABC Radio and based at WQHT's sister station, KPWR in Los Angeles. However, by July of 2009, WQHT dropped the program and instead expanded their local morning show, hosted by New Morning Jocks, DJ Sippa Sounds, and Peter Rosenberg. By 2010, WQHT switched to Urban Contemporary, ending the longtime rhythmic Top 40 format at the station. Now focused four years later, on July 1st of 2019, Emma's Communications announced that it would sell WQHT and sister station WBLS to the public company Media Co. Holding, an affiliate of Standard General, for $91.5 million and a $5 million promissory note. Now, in addition, Emmis would take a 23.72% stake in the new company's common equity and continue to manage the stations under shared service agreements. The sale was completed November 25th, 2019. September 9th, 2008, Emmis announced a programming partnership with World Band Media and to use WQHT's HD3 signal to produce programming for the South Asian communities in three major cities, including New York City. Then in June of 2009, the service was removed from WQHT and placed on sister station WRKS's HD2. January 2012, Emmis added WRXP, which was formerly on WFAN-FM and streaming online to their HD2 subchannel. With this move, the station no longer streamed online, in 2014, WQHT HD2 began airing Humdesi Radio, a South Asian-focusing radio network. January 17, 2005, Miss Jones provoked a controversy by airing a song entitled Tsunami Song, a month after approximately 167,000 people in Indonesia and 227,000 people worldwide were left dead or missing from the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami which affected the Asia Pacific and Somalia. The song, a parody sung to the 1985 tune We Are the World, was criticized for overtly racist mocking of the Asian victims. The song lyrics contained the racially derogatory word Chinaman and calls the drowning victims bitches. <laughs> Some of the lyrics included the words, Go find your mommy. I just saw her float by. A tree went through her head. <laughs> and now your children will be sold into child slavery. Oh my gosh. Miss Info, a fellow on-air colleague of Korean descent, was outraged and spoke against the song of the station. She excluded herself from producing the song and said it was wrong for it to be played. Miss Info was insulted by other DJs on the air. Another jock on the show, Todd Lynn, muttered, I'm going to start shooting Asians. Following angry protests from the public, Miss Jones, DJ Envy, and Tasha Hightower were suspended for two weeks while Todd Lynn and songwriter Rick Delgado were fired. The station issued an apology on its website, Newsday, Sprint, McDonald's, and Toyota all pulled their advertising from the station. The suspended employees' pay was diverted to charities helping victims of the tsunami.
February 21st, 2001, a shootout erupted between Little Kim and the entourages of Kim and rapper, rival rapper Foxy Brown in front of the offices of Hot 97 on Hudson Street, with an injury to one of Little Kim's bodyguards. It led to an investigation by the FBI and a trial which found Little Kim, Little Kim guilty of perjury and sentenced to a year in prison for, in it, for it in mid-2005. Now, in February 2005, gunfire erupted in front of the same place between 50 Cent's, Lounge, 50 Cent's Entourage and the game's Entourage. The game was quickly met by 50 Cent's crew, and after being notified, he was at the front entrance of the building. A friend of 50 Cent pulled a gun out and shot at the game and his entourage. A bullet hit a member of the game's entourage in the leg. Both incidents also led to the nickname Shot 97 by Wendy Williams. Since its inception, WQHT has held the Hot 97 Summer Jam every June. The concert series, originally featuring dance artists until its, until its shift to hip-hop acts, has run into frequent controversy. Wu-Tang Clan member Inspector Deck stated that the group faced a 10-year blacklist by Hot 97 after a fiasco involving their booking at the concert. June of 97, the group was on tour with Rage Against the Machine in Europe in support of the Wu-Tang Forever album, but was also booked to perform at the Summer Jam. Dex stated that the station strong-armed the group into flying back to the United States at their own cost to perform at the show for free, lest their relationship with the station be in jeopardy. And as Hot 97 was one of the major stations that gave the group exposure during their early years, they felt it best to perform at the Summer Jam, not wanting to lose a major ally. Wu-Tang member Ghostface Killer was so infuriated by this that he shouted, Fuck Hot 97 during the set and got the crowd to repeatedly chant it. This led to what Dex says was a 10-year blacklist of Wu-Tang from Hot 97, and even other New York radio stations, which affected their commercial reputation and music sales. The two sides would later make amends, and Wu-Tang Clan performed a set at the 2013 Summer Jam. Other notable controversies include a 2001 show in which Jay-Z put embarrassing childhood photos of Mob Deep's prodigy up on that Summer Jam screen. The 2002 concert saw a bailout from headliner Nas after the station objected to him hanging an uh, effigy of Jay-Z from the stage during the height of their rivalry. While later beefs involving 50 Cent and Jay Rule, Eminem's feud with The Source, a 2006 show that had Busta Rhymes parading a series of rap legends on stage, and then Hot 97 air staffer Ms. Jones dissing Mary J. Blige on air, after the singer did not mention her name when she sent shout-outs to the Hot 97 DJs. Well, the 2007 show saw Kane West and Swizz Beats engaging in a beat battle. The 2009 show saw Jay-Z rapping De uh, Death of Autotune next to T-Pain, criticizing his use of the aforementioned technique on his songs. The 2012 event made headlines when moments before Nicki Minaj was about to take the stage, morning host Peter Rosenberg made a negative comment about her song Starships, saying to the fans, I see the real hip-hop heads sprinkled in here. I see them. I know there are some chicks here waiting to sing Starships later. I'm not talking to you all right now. 
That comment and the alleged sexual relationship between the self-proclaimed queen of rap and the host Ebro Darden would prompt Little Wayne to put Menage and the rest of the acts signed to Cash Money Records out of the event. Menage later spoke to Funkmaster Flex about the incident, and after that she appeared on Rosenberg's show with the host apologizing to her on air. She performed two songs with two chains after the following year's Summer Jam. The 2014 event that took place on June 2nd would be blasted in a comment five days later on June 6th by Chuck D of Public Enemy, who accused the station of allowing artists who were performing there to use racial slurs and offensive language, calling it a sloppy fiasco, adding that if there was a festival and it was filled with anti-Semitic slurs or racial slurs at anyone but black people, what do you think would happen? And why does there have to be such a double standard? He also cites the lack of WQHT not allowing more up-and-coming artists to perform on stage. This was later addressed by Ebro Darden and Rosenberg on their morning show, responding to remarks that include the charge that Hot 97 is a core plantation. But Darden, who admits that he agrees with Chuck D on addressing the issues, later pointed out by responding that, I think there's validity to what he's saying as to, I guess, Hot 97 could be more local, and added, but people that listen to us when we research the songs don't vote those songs high enough to stay around. I have this debate, and I put the honest back on the public to participate. Let's see. And I think that's about all we have left. Yeah. A couple other things to go over with uh, this. Uh, no, we're done. <laughs> there was a lot of things going on in the heated things. So you can read it up on that there. I think that pretty much gives you a summary of WQHT Hot 97, folks. Let's give it up for a great radio station that has had its ups and downs. Let's give it up for them right now. It is uh, quite amazing how one radio station can take so much heat over the course of uh, two decades worth of controversies going on in that particular stretch of time. We hope that nothing ever bad happens to any radio station, but you really do got to watch what you say. And we will definitely mark this episode of The Queen's New Yorker as an explicit episode because there were some curse words put in there as well, too. So I'll mark that as explicit and make it uh, not kid-friendly. But none of our shows are for basically under the age of 18 anyway because sometimes there is a curse word or two or something that would be offensive to under 18 and we want to put that disclaimer in. Next time on the program on Tuesday, we're going to be looking at the next radio station in our in our uh, lineup of uh, stations that we have yet to cover. So the next time we'll be together will be on Tuesday, and we'll be looking at another FM station. This one is a radio station licensed to New York City and owned and operated by the Spanish Broadcasting System. The station has a tropical format, which consists of such musical styles as salsa, merengue, bachata, and reggaeton. And the transmitter is located at the Empire State Building. 
known as the Mega 97.7. We'll look at WSKU-FM 97.7. Should be a very interesting and rhythmic show. <laughs> Should have a good history with it, too, on it. Yeah, it's a short one, but one that's very important to the, to the New York City area and the five boroughs, for that matter. I'm Jason Ecanio, thanking you very much for your continued support of the Queens New Yorker. We've been here for the last nine years in our ninth season, and we aim to give you more great episodes in this ninth season. Finishing up the radio stations, we've got, uh, let's see, after the WSKU, which we'll look at next Tuesday, we have... One, two, three, four more radio stations to go. And we'll f- uh, also WFAN FM. Okay, five, I see. <laughs> but that is going to be for another day. So five more radio stations to look at and definitely touch base on. And then we're going to go into a series I call the Pizza Series. That's going to be very interesting, too, as we're going to look at the timeline of how the history of pizza really took the influence of New York City to what it is today. Famous New York-style sliced pizza. How it got here, what it took to get it around, well, we're going to look back as far as 1905 for that one. The great debate still goes on as to who brought the first slice here. We'll hopefully answer that question sooner or later. But I'm Jason Acanio. Thanking you very much again, and hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Uh, Don't forget to check other sources of great stuff that I mentioned before. And don't forget also, too, that on Saturday I'll be celebrating my 46th birthday, as I'm already celebrating my 14th year as a podcaster on the Internet Airwaves. And I thank you very much for the continued support. We'll see you on Tuesday for now. Remember, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid kiss. On the Queens, New Yorker, right here on Spotify and YouTube. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You have been watching the Queens, New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio internet presentation. Thank you for your support.